on. Good morning, everybody. I hope that you came ready to worship the Lord. We are going to uh, start with a little victory in Jesus this morning. Let's all stand if you would. Stand to your feet and let's worship the Lord. Here we go. Because he lives, that you and I can face tomorrow. Amen. Let's sing that together.
believe you believe that this morning. It's only because he lives that you and I can face tomorrow. Well, put a smile on your face. Tell somebody you're glad to see him. Shake a hand, hug a neck. Tell somebody you're glad to be here this morning, all right? And then we're going to continue to worship in just a moment. fellowship good fellowship you can find your place and be seated for just a moment uh, brother martin is going to come and give us the announcements give brother martin a big hand if you would good morning <laughs> isn't god good man gotta share something with you real quick you can't give a preacher a mic and him not share but uh Back when Amanda and I were uh, unequally yoked and I was unsaved, we used to go to this little country church her grandmother went to. And uh, one of the songs, this man that sounded like he smoked Pall Malls all his life, and he croaked out was because he lives. And so on the way here, driving, I'm in my nothing box. All of a sudden, I want because he lives played at my funeral. I'm like, what? Anyways, fast forward to Sunday school. Another song he used to croak out was uh, Victory in Jesus. And that was a focal point of our Sunday school this morning. So if the Lord hadn't talked to you, he's already talked to me. So just got to be listening. So um, any first-time visitors here this morning? If you're a first-time visitor, signify by raising your hand. Okay. All right. So uh, first, National Benny Hinn Day. We got to all fall back. Wave his coat and people fall back. Looks like some of our people fell back a little bit too hard. So we do have uh, on Wednesday uh, Wednesdays we do have a full slate. We have Wednesday morning Bible study uh, in our fellowship hall from ten to eleven. We also have Wednesday night services. Uh, we do feed you six p.m. Youth in here and adults and children, they go over there. I'm not worried about them because I'm in here. And then uh, Sunday school. We have Sunday school for all ages, uh, 10 a.m. in the morning. Um, that's a great place to learn, share knowledge, and just sharpen each other. So I do encourage you to come on Sunday mornings just an hour earlier. Uh, this afternoon, we are going to have a memorial service in celebrating the uh, life of Miss Jan Lanham. Uh, that will be at 3 o'clock uh, here at Landmark Baptist Church. So I do encourage you to come back and uh, just celebrate what she meant to so many of us. Amen. We do need help for teachers and helpers with the children and toddlers for Wednesday nights. You can see Miss Cindy for that. Uh, volunteers for yard work. If yard work is your thing, we have plenty of it. See Brother Gary Curry or Brother Mark, 
we are having a free church-wide Thanksgiving meal. That is going to be on a Wednesday night. So if you like turkey, come get you some turkey. Free church-wide Thanksgiving meal on Wednesday night, November the 16th. So not this Wednesday, but the following Wednesday. Uh, and the men's fellowship. We're going to have a men's fellowship November the 20th. Uh, that is a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Uh, it's going to be at Nathan Choate's house. Uh, the church van will leave here at 2.30 for anyone who wants a ride. Uh, if not, we'll have uh, maps uh, next Sunday available. There will be guns. There will be ammo. There, I'm lying. I don't know if any of that's going to be there. But if it gets you there, I'll just tell you that there will be. Uh, there will be no life recovery class today at 1 p.m. Uh, we're doing the memorial service, so if you come to that, no, uh, no recovery class. Other than that, let's just praise our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Martin. Hey, uh, don't forget the men's fellowship will be centered around uh, God's team, the Cowboys, that will be playing at 325. So that's why we're starting at 3, so we can kind of center everything around that. So, And if you want to bring guns and ammo to that, uh, go ahead. Amen. Uh, I'm, I'm for it. Amen. Hey, uh, so uh, we'll, we'll have some uh, directions. Uh, uh, Brother Nathan, raise your hand. You can see Nathan or Diana. Uh, they're a, a little far out, kind of Hideaway Lake area. So that's why we're going to do the church van. I'll be driving church van. So if you want to just come here and ride the van, we can do that. All right. Well, let's stand. We're going to continue to worship. Brother Kelly is going to lead us in a song called I'm Just a Nobody. Amen. been a mystery all my life i've been told i belong at the end of the line with all the other not quiets with all the never get it right but it turns out that the ones you were looking for all this time i'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody Save my soul. Ever since you rescued me, gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see. Nobody but Jesus. Well, Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight. Pick 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody To save my soul Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see, nobody but Jesus. Living for the world to see, nobody but Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history. There's another blood for faithful men around the family. 
saved this morning? Amen. I said, anybody here been saved this morning? Amen. Come on. We're going to talk about that. Chains of the past are broken at last. I 
Father, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord. <laughs> Lord, thank you for our salvation. Lord, the gift that we can never repay. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, it is not based on us or our goodness or our perfectness. But, God, it's based on what you did on the cross for us, Lord. You came and you paid the price. Lord, you came and you died on a cross and you spilled your blood for our sins. Because, Lord, we could never be good enough. We could never be perfect enough. Our good deeds could never outweigh our bad deeds. And so, Lord, I pray for somebody this morning today who's trying to be good enough to get into heaven or who's trying to be uh, perfect enough, God. I pray that you'd show them this morning that the good news of the gospel is, is that we can't ever be good enough. We can't ever be perfect enough. But it's your blood. It's through the blood of Jesus that any of us can have salvation, that we can have heaven, that we can have eternal life. And so, Lord, I thank you today for the goodness of God. I thank you today, Lord, just for your salvation, your grace, and your mercy. I pray somebody would find it today, Lord, and that they'd stop trying to be good enough, and they'd just surrender to you, Lord. Have your will and your way during this time, Lord. I pray that you'd be with me as I preach, Lord. I know that there is nothing good in me today except you. So I ask you, Lord, to move me out of the way, move my flesh out of the way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak through me. Use me as a vessel to speak to somebody's heart today, Lord. And I just ask all this in the powerful, precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. amen. Let's give the Lord one more clap offering. Amen. All right. You can be seated. And if you've got children that would like to go to Children's Church, just meet uh, Miss Cindy over there at the door. Give our Children's Church workers a big hand, if you would always do such a wonderful job and uh, I'm just gonna uh, share with you this morning from my heart is that okay with y'all if I just share from my heart this morning well I'm going to anyway whether you want me to or not so it's November it is a month of uh, Thanksgiving and so I usually kind of like to just uh, kind of go with whatever is happening at the moment, whatever God is moving in at the moment, and uh, whatever God's doing in my life personally. A lot of times I will be preaching on something that I'm struggling with or something because uh, when you preach it, it has to come from your heart. And so that usually means it's something that I'm dealing with or I'm going through because whether you realize it or not, the preacher is not perfect. Uh, there are some preachers that may want you to think that, they might want you to think preachers sometimes want you to think they've got all the answers. I got news for you. The preachers don't necessarily have all the answers. I know the one who has all the answers, but I don't know all the answers. Amen. And sometimes the uh, preacher is flesh and blood just like you do, and the preacher struggles just like you do. When hard times happen, the preacher struggles. When things get overwhelming, the preacher struggles. Amen? And so... You can see what the title of the sermon is today, and we're going to talk all this week about thankfulness, gratefulness, and what is the antidote for all the bad we're hearing in the world today? The antidote is gratefulness and thankfulness. Many times we, we get negative and we get uh, anxiety and worry and fear because we're overwhelmed and we forget the goodness of God, and we forget that God has been with me the whole time. I've gone through some hard things before. I will probably, I'm, I'm sure of it, in my lifetime, we'll go through some more hard times. And the hard times, we don't need to live our life buried in those hard times. 
But we need to live our life remembering that God brought us through those hard times. And the next time hard times come up, we have to concentrate on that the goodness of God. He will bring us through the next set of hard times. If you read the 23rd Psalm, it's one of my favorites, and it's probably one of the most well-known scriptures other than John 3.16. It tells us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If you notice in the 23rd Psalm, it does not say that you get to bypass the valley of the shadow of death. It simply says, I will walk through it with you. God never promised us that everything would be easy. He never promised us that our lives would be devoid of hard times. You see, you and I live in a a world where uh, sin and death came into the world. If you go all the way back and you read the book of Genesis, you read about uh, Adam and Eve, and you read about how sin came into the world. And the reason things are so bad in the world today, it's not God's fault. Unfortunately, God gets all the credit, but he also gets all the blame. But you see, the reason that you and I live in this world and it's so messed up is not God's fault. It's because sin and brokenness came into the world. And God gave them over. And you remember Adam and Eve had to be cast out of the Garden of Eden. And he said, now you'll have to work and and you won't get to live forever. It was originally created that literally to be heaven on earth. uh, But now their death must come in. Uh, Because sin has come in, death has come in. All right. And so that is still in play today and it will be in play until the Lord comes back for us. All right. So we need to understand. So how do I stay positive in a negative world? Did you know, and I just thought about this as I was studying for this this week, the gospel is referred to more times than not as what? The good news. And it's real easy to forget that you and I should be, we're, we're supposed to be living out the good news. Why? Because there's nothing but bad news around us, right? If you turn on, does anybody still watch the news? Nobody wants to admit it. She does, all right. Uh, we, we watch the news sometimes, and I, I try to catch some of it sometimes just so I can keep up with what's going on in the world. But if you watch a steady dose of the news, what will happen to you? You'll get depressed because the news on the television is not any good news, is it? Because good news doesn't sell. What sells? Bad news, all right? Bad news travels fast, and it, is, it sells. It sells newspapers. It sells television programming. But understand, the gospel is called the good news for a reason. It's because you and I need to understand, no matter what happens in this world, no matter what valleys we have to go through, the Lord is with us. And he is always there for us. He promised us, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. Um, so what, what do you, if you turn on the news, what do you get? People dying. Jobs are vanishing. The economy is struggling. Uh, we live in a nation that is divided. Do you believe that? Yeah. We live in a nation that is divided. We need a revival. Now, there's an election coming up. Tuesday, right? November 8th. And you know me, I'm not a big political pundit. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm just going to say part of our civic responsibility is to get out and vote. And I I preached a little bit about it last week. You don't need to preach. You don't need to vote on a party line. You don't need to vote on a popularity contest. You need to vote based on the word of God. What does God say? What lines up with God's word most? Because at the end of the day, no party is going to save us. 
No politician is going to save us. Jesus Christ is our hope. Amen. But at the end of the day, vote your conscience. And if you don't go vote, you don't have any right to gripe about it, do we? So our, our responsibility, what we can do, and I always tell people this, vote, then pray, 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 pray. And you'll notice there's a whole lot of praying in there because you can only go vote one time. So do, vote, that's, your, no, that's the responsibility there, but then pray, 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 pray. And pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus himself, when he was in the garden facing the cross, he said, Lord, if there's any way that we can do a different plan, if there's any way this cup from, can pass from me, and I don't have to go through this because he knew what was coming. And he asked the Lord, he said, if there's any way for me to avoid this, if there's any way, another plan, uh, then Lord, let it happen. But, and then he, but he ended it by saying, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And that was the plan. And he had to go through with it. And as painful as it is, you think he enjoyed that time on the cross? You think he enjoyed enduring the pain? No, but he did it because he knew that it was his father's will. And so whatever happens, understand at the end of the day, the good news will always be the good news. On November 9th, no matter how it turns out, I want to look everybody in the eye and tell you this. No matter what it looks like on November the 9th or 10th or 11th or however long it says, they say they count the votes. Uh, however it ends up looking, God will still be on the throne. God will still be in control. God is still sovereign, and God still has a plan, and the good news will still be the good news. Amen? So just remember that. I think we all need that today. So if... All of this is doing, our country is so divided, uh, many of us think, well, this is the end of the world as we know it. And it's easy to feel unsettled, uh, anxious, emotionally on edge. What happens when you get anxious? I know probably nobody in here ever gets anxious. But what happens when you get anxious? The small things seem to become big things. And you get on edge and you get real <laughs> snappy. I call it snappy. When my wife does it, I call it snappy. Amen. Now, when I do it, I call it just, I'm just a little irritated. Amen. But when my wife does it, she's snappy. All right. But it tends to make us on edge. We snap at every little thing. We take it out on the people we love the most because they live the closest to us. Right. Uh, who takes the brunt of when you have a bad day? Everybody that lives in that house with you. Amen. So we need to understand uh, this is what it does to us. Uh, it's sometimes the small things will make me angry. And uh, I, I can get more easily discouraged. I can sink into a depression many times. I've always told y'all, and you've heard me preach many times, I believe the demon of depression is running rampant right now. More depression than you've ever seen in your life. Suicide rates are up. What happens? What is suicide? Is it the unforgivable sin? No, you've probably been taught that all your life. It is not. You can't find it in the Bible. If you can scripture and verse that for me, come tell me. It is not. I've known some people that committed suicide, and I, I knew these people, and I believe they were saved individuals, but I, I'll tell you what will happen. You let depression, you let the enemy start talking into your ear, and you let your depression get so much that it overwhelms you so much, and then you, st you add in a little bit of alcohol or a little bit of drugs, what does that do? just sinks you deeper in the pit, deeper in the pit, and in one moment... When you add those other elements in, in one moment, you can make a life-changing, life-ending decision 
that will alter you and your family's life for the rest of their life. And it's not good. Unfortunately, one of the bad parts of this job is I have to deal with death a lot. And I unfortunately have had to deal with suicide sometimes in that. And uh, man, trying to walk a family through that is not easy. Can I tell you that? But I will tell you this. I've seen it. It's a selfish act. At the time the person does it, they're not thinking of it as selfish. But can I tell you as somebody who sees the families after the fact, it is a very selfish act. And if you ever feel like you are at that point, you need to reach out and tell somebody. You need to reach out and get help. Because I'm telling you, it scars the families for the rest of their life. I've seen mothers and fathers just tears their heart out. And they beat themselves up for the rest of their lives, thinking, what could I have done differently? What could I have done to save my loved one? Don't do it. It's a selfish, selfish act. God has a reason. God has a purpose. I know we all get overwhelmed. And can I tell you this? When you get overwhelmed and you're wallowing in that depression, do not add alcohol to it. Do not add drugs to it. Because the enemy will use those as tools to send you deeper down the hole. Amen. All right. A negative outlook never leads to a positive life. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to point right here. Because a lot of, well, really all of what I'm going to talk about today, it's all a battle right here. It's a battle of the mind. Where does depression begin? Right here. Where does anxiety begin? Where does fear begin? It all begins here. Even your actions, even every bad action begins up here with a thought. And then we cross over sometimes and we take it to action. But can I tell you this? A, a negative outlook will never lead to a positive life. So a lot of your battle is right up here. So I'm going to give you some things that optimism is not. Now, I am a glass half full guy. I like to think of things uh, in a positive manner. I don't want to live a negative life. And sometimes I, it drains me to be around people who are negative. So I want to be an optimistic person. Now, what you will find is opposites attract, right? So usually, those of you that are married, you're going to have an optimist and you're going to have a pessimist. Amen? Now, my daddy was the pessimist. My daddy said, I ain't a pessimist. I'm a realist. I'm just living in the real world. Y'all are living in a fantasy world. Amen. And that was the way my daddy saw it. And that's the way a lot of pessimists see it. Amen. I'm just a realist. I'm just living in the real world. Amen. Well, regardless, however you see it, uh, you, you and I are on a much better path if we try to have optimism. Now, you may say, well, that's not natural for me. I'm not wired that way. The famous last words I hear all the time, Brother Mark. I'm just born that way. I'm just that way. Can I tell you? No, no, no. Now, you may be wired a certain way, but I'm here to tell you, everything we do in our lives, it's a choice. You want to be an optimist? You choose to be an optimist. If you want to be a pessimist, you choose to be a pessimist, okay? So, uh, you know, you may be bent a certain way, but you can change it. Bad habits in your life. How do you change bad habits into good habits? Most psychologists tell you, you got to reset the pattern and you got to do it for at least 30 days or longer. And then once you get past 30 days, that habit becomes easier and easier and easier. 
And you can remove a bad habit or you can add a good habit by changing your behavior over 30 days. So there's no excuse that, well, I just can't do it. Yes, you can. If you want to bad enough, you can. In the same way that if you want to quit smoking bad enough, you can. If you want to stop drinking bad enough, you can. If you want to start reading your Bible every day, you can. If you want to start praying every day, you can. You just have to make up your mind you want to do it and set it in motion. All right? So here's some things optimism is not. Optimism is not a denial of reality. So I'm going to credit this one to Floyd Trammell in honor of my daddy. Amen? Because my daddy kind of had that when he said that statement, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist. He was saying that all you optimists are just denying reality. And he was always looking over his back. Now I won't tell you, he passed some of that on to me. And a little bit of it's a good thing. You don't want to become a, a rug mat that people walk all over. And you do want to look out for your back. Because if you don't look out for yourself, ain't nobody else going to look out for you, right? But uh, I, I want to assume the best in people. I want to think there's goodness in everybody. Uh, now, granted, we are all sinners. We were born with a sinful nature. But I, I want to think that most people, they're trying to do good. Some people, they just, they really struggle with it. But I want to give people, I would rather give people, even if I end up being wrong, I would rather give people the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, I think you're a good person. I think in, in your heart, you really want to do the right thing, even if they didn't do the right thing. All right? So optimism is not a denial of reality. It's just hoping for the best in people, all right? And I'll cover that a little more in detail. Number two, optimism is not blind faith. You may think, well, you know, you're just an optimist, and you're just kind of sitting there expecting, you know, God to just bless you and throw blessings down on you. No, I'm not. Uh, it is not blind faith. I understand that, what does the Bible say? Faith without works is what? So I've got to put in the time. Again, if I have a bad habit in my life and I want to get rid of it, I can't just say, whew, come on, Lord, just take it away. That would be wonderful. And sometimes, God, I've heard people give testimony that, you know, uh, man, I, I was an alcoholic all my life, and I asked God to remove it, and he, uh, he did a miracle, and he removed it, never desired it again. That's wonderful, but guess what? That is the exception rather than the rule. Most of the time, if you're going to stop being an alcoholic or you're going to stop being a drug addict or you're going to stop being addicted to food, uh-oh, Brother Mark just got personal, amen, uh, this right here, this is addiction, amen, it's all addictions. That's why I say to you all the time, really, as sinners, we're all addicts. We're all addicted to something. It's just different, and some are more socially acceptable than others. But I'm here to tell you, uh, if I want to change uh, what this looks like, I'll just use this as an example since it's right up here in front of you and in front of me. Amen. Uh, I had a friend. He said, this is my cooker right here, my cooker. Amen. Now, I don't know. All the food's already been cooked and consumed uh, in my cooker. But um, if I want to change this and get it smaller, then I have to do something. I have to take action. Faith without works is dead. I can't just say, Lord, I want to be skinnier. I want to be healthier. I want to stop abusing food. And I want to stop being addicted to food then I have to do something. It takes action, all right? And so that's what I'm telling you. Optimism is not blind faith. Lord, just take it away, and I'm going to sit here, my lazy boy, and wait on you. That's not what it is. It's saying, Lord, if you will help me, if you will do your part, I'm going to do my part, and I'm going to take the steps towards you. Can I get an amen? That's what it takes. That's what it takes right there. All right, number three. Optimism is confidence about the future 
or a successful outcome. When I say this, we used to say this at Landmark back in the old days. God is good and all the time. Now, we could say that, and that sounds real good, but do we really believe it? Do we live our lives like we believe it? Is God really good? Does God really have the best for us? Optimism is confidence about the future or a successful outcome. I have to understand that God is for me, not against me. Now, some of you really need to hear that this morning. Because some of you, you've gotten in a mindset where, I don't love God. I'm not going to serve God. I would not give him my life because God ain't never done nothing for me. And that's the way many people see life. And you've got to understand that God loves you. God is for you. Many people let their pride and their ego get in the way of surrendering to Christ because they say, well, if he's really a loving God, he wouldn't send people to hell. You don't read your Bible correctly. If you read your Bible the way I read it, Jesus never sends anybody to hell. Hell was created for Satan and his demons, and hell was not created for any of us. And that's exactly why Jesus came and died on the cross and spilled his blood so that you and I wouldn't have to go to hell. Because eternal life is reality. I need to give you all a message. Everybody here is going to live eternally. That's not the question. The question is, where are you going to spend it? Because you can't read the Bible and you can't just say, well, I want to believe in the heaven part and I want to believe in the angels, but I don't want to buy into that whole devil and hell thing. Then take the Bible and chunk it in the garbage. It's either the word of God or it's not. Many people want to, when I witness people, sometimes they want to get in these theological debates. I'm like, I'm not here to debate with you. Because everything I'm based on, I'm based on that the word of God is truly the word of God. And that Jesus was a real guy, which he is. You can check every history book. It states he was a real guy. And if he was a real guy, and even every other world religion. You know, no other world religion. Christianity doesn't talk about Muhammad or Buddha or any of those. Did you know that almost every other world religion mentions Jesus and recognizes Jesus? as a real, Number one, as a real person. And number two, as a prophet. Well, do you know what the definition of a prophet is? The definition of a prophet is, if he's a true prophet, that everything that comes out of his mouth is the truth. And if it's not, you stone him to death. So if every other world religion is going to recognize Jesus as a prophet, what came out of Jesus' own mouth? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. Every other world religion says he's a prophet. Then that means every other world religion would have to admit that's truth if it's coming out of a prophet's mouth. So you must decide. I don't, I'm not here to debate anybody. If the Bible is not true to you and you don't want to believe it, throw it in the trash and go on. Jesus didn't give them a hard time about it. Jesus gave them the truth, and then what does it say he did? It says he dusted his hands, dusted his feet, turned around and walked. He said, if you want to follow me, follow me. Those of you who don't, you don't have to do it. He's a king, not a beggar. All right? So either the word of God is the word of God, and Jesus is the son of God and is exactly who he says he was, or he's not. I'm not here to debate or argue with you. That's just what you got to base it on. And if you don't want to believe that, you don't want to live your life on it, chunk it the Bible and go on. Chunk the Bible in the trash and go on. Because, again, it's only as good as the word of God and what the word of God states. 
if we don't believe in all that, then why are we even here? I would even tell a lot of Christians sometimes, go on home. Because if you're, just, if you're not going to live your life like you believe it, then why are you even here? Because everything I'm basing mine on, I'm basing on the Word of God has survived for thousands and thousands of years. Why? Because it's the Word of God. The name of Jesus has gone on, and the popularity of Jesus has done nothing but go on, go on, and go on for thousands of years, and his popularity has escalated, escalated, escalated. Why? Because he's truly who he said he was. He's truly the Son of God. Otherwise, it would just go away. If something's a lie, it eventually just dies and goes away. All right? Um, number four, optimism is the unwavering expectation that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. Romans 8, 28 is our scripture there. It says this. If you don't know it by heart, we all need to know it by heart. And we know that all things work together for good. Now, I want to stop right there because this is a very misquoted verse. It does not say all things are good. Read it. All things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. There's a huge difference. All things work together for good. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of story. Many of you know my other job, my regular job during the week is uh, I'm a sound engineer. And so I do a lot of events. And there's a saying in the event deal, in the event world and doing events is all of these events are live and you pretty much get one shot. Hard part about doing live events is it's all live. Once it happens, it happens. There are no do-overs. And that's what we say all the time. So how prepared do we need to be to understand if something goes wrong, it's going to go wrong and there's no do-overs. And so we need to be. So the saying in this, and Brother JT's in it also, so he knows this. Uh, this is the saying in, in the event world. Expect the best, but prepare for the worst. Right? And that's what, that's what we live in the event world. Because we want to be so over-prepared for something to go wrong that we don't even have to worry about it. So we're expecting the best. We're expecting everything to just go smoothly and no problems and everything works the way it's supposed to work. You're relying on electronics, which are uh, have a mind of their own, and you're just expecting everything to go smoothly. And can I tell you this? Uh, many times it does not go perfectly. But if you prepared for the worst and expected the best, then guess what? You're ready for it when it shows up. All right? You and I need to live life like that. That's a good saying for life, not just for events, right? Expect the best. I'm expecting the best for you. I'm expecting the best for me. I'm expecting God's going to do good things, but I need to prepare for the worst. Because, listen, heartache's going to come, right? I pray you have mostly good days, mostly happiness. But I would be a fool to say there's going to be some heartaches going to come, right? There's going to be some trauma sometimes that's going to come. There's going to be hard things to go through. And so you must be ready. Be ready. Uh, how do you be ready? You just, you have the Lord on your side. You ask the Lord, Lord, I need you to be there. When you get up in the morning, say, Lord, I don't know if today's going to be a good day or a bad day, but I need you to walk with me through it no matter what kind of day it is today. So be prepared. Understand, Lord, I'm going to need you. And don't just leave the Lord over to the side until things go bad. Have him there every day so he's easy to find when things do go bad and you need him. Because we're real bad, aren't we, about, all right, Lord, you just sit over there, and when something bad happens, 
I'll call out your name. That's not the way it needs to work. It needs to work, Lord, I'm here with you every single day. Thank you for all the good days. But, Lord, today's a bad day, and right now, Lord, I really need you. And he's that close because he's always there every day. And don't wait until only the bad thing. Can you imagine how that makes the Lord feel sometimes when he says, you know, my children, they only call me during the bad things. Any parents here ever experienced that? <laughs> it's reality, isn't it? My children only ever call me. They only ever call me just say, I love you. Hey, just want to check in on you. They only call me when it's bad things. Amen. Now, don't nobody nudge nobody on that one. Amen. Because uh, that's a little close to home, but it's true. All right? Uh, look, look at this. Uh, even a negative situation still holds the potential to produce a positive purpose. Most of the things that God has done in my life and taught me have been bad things, negative things, but they have taught me things. I learned a lot more from my failures than my successes. Can anybody testify to that? I've learned a whole lot more. Why? Because my failures are etched in my memory. Whew, man, they're etched in there. Because it hurt. When I had a failure, it hurt. And it is etched into my memory. And so I learn a lot more from those bad things that happen more than I do the good things. It's wonderful to be on the mountaintop. But even on the mountaintop, you got to come down. You can't live up there. You go to the top of Mount Everest, you can't stay up there. That's why they go up there, plant that flag, go straight back down. Because there's no air up there. There's no food up there. There's no vegetation up there. Nothing can grow up there. And so the mountaintops are wonderful. It's great scenery. But enjoy it, but then you got to go back down to the valley. And so you and I need to understand, the Lord teaches us through all those negative situations. And they will produce good things in you. It's that exact reason, this is probably one of the most famous ones, don't you dare pray for patience. Right? Because the Lord will give you nothing but reasons to need that patience. Amen? And that's true, because this is how you get these things. Here. This is how you're taught these things, is by weathering the storms of life. And, uh, and getting through those things and realizing, I don't need to do that. I've learned a whole lot more by saying, I don't need to do that again, than I have by saying, oh, that was fun. I need to do that again. I've learned a whole lot more from saying, uh, that hurt, and I do not want to go through that again. All right? Okay. Um, all right. So think about what you think about. This is the next part, and I'm almost done here. Say, sure, preacher. Again, all this starts in the brain. So I want you to think about what you think about. Number one, what consumes your mind controls your life. Again, we come back to that. Are you a negative person by nature or are you a positive person by nature? What do you fill your mind with? If you're anxious about the world and anxious about the things going on in the world, what happens many times when we turn on that news channel that just Satan plays into that and just feeds into our anxiety and our fear, right? And so we need to understand, instead of many times, instead of worry, because worry is sin. My mother hated when I said this because my mother was a, a great worrier. She worried about her kids. She worried about everything. And many of you moms, you might say, well, that's my job. That's my job as mom is to worry. But I'm here to tell you, worry is a sin. Uh, worry, fear, and anxiety are all sins because they show a lack of faith and trust in God. And so instead of worry, we need to replace that with prayer. 
Instead of anxiety, we need to replace that with scripture about the goodness of God and how God is always there for us. In other words, what are you allowing to enter your mind? One of the things that people do, uh, my daughter used to, uh, did this, and I think she still does it. She, she would take things and she would put them up on her bathroom mirror. And uh, you, she would take scriptures. You, you can get little, uh, 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 the little note cards, and you can write scripture on there. And you just hang them where you get ready in the morning. And then as you're getting ready in the morning, you are, what are you seeing? What are you filling your mind with? There are scriptures all around that mirror telling about this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Talking about the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God. Fill your mind. What consumes your mind will control your life. Listen, we all got bills to pay, right? Somebody told me we were having prayer time with the band back here, and somebody mentioned I went to buy a dozen eggs, and it was almost $5. Now, I use that as a teaching point because I'm the preacher. That's what I do. Amen. I said, well, you know, we can concentrate on, well, God, that's, yeah, that's almost $5 for a dozen eggs. Or I can say, whew, thank you, God, I got eggs, no matter what they cost. Thank you, God, I got eggs to eat. Thank you, God, I can run right down here to a store right now, and I can buy eggs. Because there's some places in the world, they can't get eggs to eat. It's all perspective. It's all your mindset. Am I concentrating on the goodness of God, or am I just concentrating on the being consumed of, oh, I'm just worried, I'm fretting, everything's going up, all this is going to... Do all that. Listen, you have no control over that. And the reason that worry, fear, and anxiety is so deadly is because it's over things that you can't control and you won't have any control over. So that's why it's like a poison because there's no antidote for it because all of that's out of your control. All that's out of my control. All I can do is trust in the goodness of God. Amen? All right. Um, the quality of your life. Ooh, this is a hard one. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. Let me say that one again. That's worth repeating. The quality of your life will never exceed the quality of your thoughts. Uh, a lot of the reason people uh, end up in bad families and bad situations and they just end up repeating the cycle is because their mindset is that way and they just keep thinking that that's just the way life's going to be. That's the way life was for me. That's the way my mama was. That's the way my daddy was. Why do alcoholics tend to come from families that have alcoholism in them? Because it's just a repeat mentally of the cycle. And if you don't ever get your mind out of that cycle, you are doomed to repeat that cycle, right? If you look at your mom and dad, because, listen, moms and dads aren't perfect. Again, I told you about my dad. My dad was not a pessimist, a realist, amen? But I had a choice. Is that the way I want to live my life? Now, I want a little bit of that because I do want to look out for myself, but I don't want that to dominate my life. I want my life to be on the positive track. So I must decide and choose to make that conscious decision because I can choose where my thoughts go, okay? All right, number two, pessimists tend to view negative events as personal and permanent. Look at that one. Pessimists tend to view negative events as personal and permanent. You know why people get angry at God? Right here, because they take everything personal and permanent. God, why did you do this to me? You ever said that? I've said it. We probably all said it at one point. God, why did you do this to me? 
And we got to understand, the Bible states it like this. It rains on the just and the unjust. Sometimes because you and I live in a broken and sinful world, it's going to rain on you and me, even if we don't deserve it to rain on us. That's just the way life is. And so sometimes we got to understand, don't take it personal. You know, if you go down to the store and a dozen eggs cost you over $5, don't get mad at God and take it personal from God. All right? God is in control, but he's like, listen, you're taking this way too personally. God's got a whole world to run, and it ain't just about you. As much as you'd like to think the universe is revolving around you, and I burst everybody's bubble, it's not revolving around you. Amen? There's a lot bigger things at stake. There's a lot more in play. Amen? All right? Um, You know who, uh, scripture on this one is uh, Romans 8.18. It says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Paul wrote this. And you remember what Paul went through? Paul knew what suffering was. Uh, He had been in prison. He'd been beaten. He'd been shipwrecked. And he'd been betrayed by just about every friend he knew. Paul knew what it was like. He knew what it was to suffer. But Paul says, the things that the suffering I had to do in this present time, it's nothing compared to the glory that God has for me. It has nothing to do with what's waiting on me. Listen, let me tell you this. This world is not perfect. It never will be perfect. This world will never satisfy you. The things of this world will never satisfy you. That's why the devil, he keeps whispering in your ear that, oh, alcohol, that'll make it all better. No, it just deadens the pain. Drugs, that'll, that'll make you feel like everything. No, no, all that does is just deaden you to, to the, what's going on in your life. But can I tell you this? The things of this world will only bring us down. There's nothing this world has to offer. So that's why heaven is heaven. Heaven is heaven is because God is there. No more suffering, no more pain, no more trials, no more tribulations, and the presence of God 24-7 all the time. That's what Paul means. Anything I got to put up with here, it ain't nothing compared to the glory that's coming. Paul knew what his prize was. Paul knew what he was going to, all right? Number three, the last one, is the struggle I'm in today is producing the strength I need for tomorrow. And we're going to have a memorial service here in just a little while for Miss Jan Lanham. And I always say this at every funeral or memorial I do. If this person could come back and speak to us right now, they would say, don't worry about me. Don't you cry for me. Now, we cry, why? Because it's left a giant hole in our heart, right? We cry because we selfishly wanted them to be with us forever. But I can tell you, anybody who's gone on to glory, if they could come back and tell us, they'd tell us, don't you cry for me. Don't you wish me back. Because I got it better now than I've ever had it. It's the glory that's waiting on us. Amen? That's why heaven is heaven, and this ain't. All right? Be reminded of that. And the struggle that you're in today is producing the strength that you need for tomorrow. You know what helps me? Uh, And again, I I told you, one of the parts of this job I hate is having to deal with death a lot. But you know what what it does every time I have to go walk through death with some some family or, or loved one or friend? It prepares me for my day. 
because I'm here to tell you, I was going through my Bible as I was getting ready uh, for uh, putting down my thoughts for Miss Jan's memorial service today. I opened my Bible and Brother Buck's memorial uh, uh, brochure came out. And I was reminded, all this is preparing for the next thing. And every time I deal with it, it just strengthens me. Because one day, it'll be me you're memorializing. One day, it'll be your family memorializing you. And so the question is, are we ready? Are we ready? Because all you'll leave at the end of the day is, what did you do with Jesus Christ? Your job won't matter. Your house won't matter. What car you drove, none of that's good. Your salary, none of that's going to matter. That's not what people will be talking about. Today, when we talk about Miss Jan, we ain't talking about any of that. We're talking about what kind of person was she? What kind of life did she live? And so let me tell you this. As painful as it is, use it to zoom in and focus. I, this is what I need my life. I need my life to be about the things that matter, not the things that don't matter. Uh, I need to starve my fears and feed my faith. Last scripture, I'm sorry, not the last one, but Romans 8, 26 on this one. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I need to starve my fears and feed my faith and renew my mind in Christ. My life is always moving in the direction of my strongest thoughts. If those thoughts are always negative, your life is going to be moving in a negative pattern. If those thoughts are positive, my life is going to be moving in a positive direction. The last scripture is this, Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Put that last slide up, brother. And the band, can, band, you come on. I wanted to give you these thoughts on the last one as they're coming. We're going to sing one more song. But when you say, Brother Mark, I have nothing positive to look at, I want you to remember these three thoughts. And when they all get up there, I want you to either write them down or take a picture of that, all right? Because all of us need to remember these things. No matter where I go, my God is there. He's with us. Amen. Number two, no matter what I do, my God still loves me. No matter how bad you mess it up, no matter how bad you, you think, oh, the Lord's mad at me, he's not mad at you. You don't think the Lord's not seen that sin before? Go read the Bible. It's better than any soap opera you ever read. Just read King David. King David went from slaying a giant to committing adultery, then committing murder, covering it up. It's better than any soap opera you could ever have. Yet God restores him to a man after God's own heart. You can't do anything bad enough. No matter what I do, God still loves you. All right? And number three, no matter what happens to me, my God is for me. Those are three things that we all need to remind ourselves every single day. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I love you. Lord, I pray that, God, you would move in an incredible way. Speak to our hearts. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Have your will in your way. We just tell you, Lord, you're a great God. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand. We're going to sing this last song together.
if you need to come, we're going to extend this time. You need to come and pray at the altar. Come and pray. Brother Martin's going to be here. If you need somebody to pray for you, I'll be over here. You need somebody to pray with you. If you're here today and you say, Brother Mark, I need to get things right in my life, then you just come and you tell one of us that.
I tell you something this morning? You can be seated for just a second. The Lord knew the preacher needed encouraging this morning. Because sometimes, again, we can all concentrate on who's not here than who's here. We can think about the things that God haven't, hasn't done for me rather than remind ourselves of things that God has done for us. We can sometimes lose sight of the fact that, you know, God is doing some good things right now. Even when sometimes we wonder whether anybody's listening, anybody's doing any good. And so, Tammy, why don't you come? Miss Vera's going to come with her. Miss Vera's her new friend. And I wanted Miss Vera to come too, and I want to uh, just present these to you today. I want you to face them, Miss Tammy, because they're sitting there, and Miss Vera says uh, to Tammy, Tammy, have you ever been saved? And Tammy says, no. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Amen. Just, just care, just care enough about somebody. That's all it takes. Just somebody caring enough. And I, I hate to be blunt, but it's Brother Mark, and you know he's blunt. Just open your mouth, people. Just do, all we got to do. It's not that hard. But she just has happened to sit next to Miss Vera. I'm sure Miss Vera probably invited her to sit next to her because Miss Vera just that way. Amen. But uh, this is her new best friend because Tammy asked Jesus to come into her heart and be her Savior this morning. Amen. 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 And uh, that is what it's all about. That is the good news of the gospel. Amen. As hard as things are, I'm not telling you things aren't bad. And I'm here to tell you, read your Bible. It'll probably get worse before it gets better. It's got to it's gotta get worse before we can get the ultimate prize in heaven. But in the end of all that, how were all these disciples able to even go to their deaths just rejoicing in the Lord and counting an honor and a privilege to be suffer for the Lord? How was Paul able to say, I've been beaten, I've been shipwrecked, it ain't no big deal? Because you got to keep your mind in the right place because at the end of the day, the good news is still the good news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Your preacher needed this this morning more than anybody else did. Amen? Let's stand. Don't forget, we have a memorial service at 3 o'clock today for Miss Jan. And uh, it would be good for everybody to be here. Amen? And we want to remember this sweet lady and what she's done. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. Thank you for Miss Tammy. God, thank you for speaking to her heart. Thank you for Miss Vera. Just asking one simple question. And thank you, God, that you were just in the house today. Uh, Lord, I needed to know you were in the house today. And so thank you for what you did. Help us to go from this place and live a life, God, telling people about the good news. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day.